0: Today, I'm with Steve Botrill, who is the uh, Chief Personal Trainer and Exercise Physiologist for Exercise MD across the world, and Steve told me his story uh, a couple days ago, and I was so jacked up, I wanted to share it on this podcast and all the others. Uh, Steve, why don't you just tell us what got you to this place? Sure,
1: sure. Thank you. Um, Well, it all started out uh, when I was 22, I was going to school up in Ottawa. Um, my fiance was down in Chatham, uh, and uh, we we'd been engage, we were we were engaged, and then we were planning for our wedding, which was coming up and it's coming up fast, uh, about two months to go. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I should come home and try to help out with the wedding planning. And you know, I hadn't been home for a while because the weather had been so so stormy and not nice, and we never I never tried to travel in the inclement weather. I did try to get home quite a bit, but uh, this particular time I hadn't been home for for a good few months, just because of the weather. And uh, now I was I was getting a ride back to Chatham from somebody who also uh, used to live in Chatham, and she worked for the RCMP. So I kind of thought, you know, I'm in good hands, someone from the RCMP. And um, so I hadn't been home and. The weather was looking nice. It was looking beautiful. I thought, well, it's going to be a nice ride home. You know, all the plans were set. Everything was ready to go. I, when, I went to, when I went to bed that night, the weather was still beautiful. And, you know, uh, the person I was going to get a ride with was going to show up at my house about 5, 6 in the morning. And back then, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that, right? And um, so, unfortunately, I woke up the next morning and we were hit by a massive snowstorm just kind of blanketed all of Ontario and the the crazy thing was it, it was too it was too early in the morning and too late to change our minds so but we kind of thought well you know if we take it slow slow and steady you know we get home you know within about you know 12 13 hours
0: what city was this again
1: I was I was up in Ottawa and we're coming back to China, which usually on a good day would take, you know, a good eight, nine hour drive. Uh, but this particular case, because of the bad snowstorm, you know, it would take a little bit longer, maybe, maybe 10, 11, 12 hours. Uh, and crazy thing was, none of the roads were cleared. We couldn't figure out why, but later we found out the snow plows were on strike. So then we, we thought, well, we'll take it slow and easy. Uh, we, we started going out and you know just taking it nice and easy uh, i I declined my seat uh, which was strange in the first place because there was a dog in the back seat and really I don't like getting look by a dog in the face so <laughs> you know <laughs> the seat was declined um, and I, I thought well you know i'll fall I'll fall asleep and then you know I'll, I'll wake up and chat and I'm gonna be great but uh so i'm asleep and we get all the way back to the to the st thomas rest stop you know we usually stop for food there and you know i woke up and you know the the juddering of the car just kind of woke me again you know i had the little meal at mcdonald's and then from chat from ottawa to st thomas alone took us 12 hours and which was strange that's a really slow go and uh so, you know, I had my meal, and funny thing is, I, again, I declined my seat, I fell back asleep, which was strange in the first place, because, you know, it's really only an hour or so from St. Thomas back to Chatham, I and mean, I would just stay awake from the excitement. But, you know, you kind of figure, you know, the ring of the car again, you'll wake up, and, you know, everything will be fine. So, we ended up getting off the 401, and, you know, I'm still asleep the whole way. Strange again. And, you know, I, I didn't wake up from the juddering or anything. Uh, go back into just the edge of the city limits and you know, because the snow plows were on strike, you know, no no roads have been cleared. And apparently I was still asleep. We hit some ice, spun out. It's just spun out like uncontrollably. Car coming the other way must have it just T-boned our car directly where I was sitting. So it just crushed the car from, from full size to about half the size of the car. Nobody knows where I went. It was really strange. But because my seat was declined, there was enough space for me. And my body was relaxed. I was still asleep the whole time. My body was so relaxed that my body absorbed the blow. And you know, I, I I broke some bones, some internal injuries. I was I was in a coma. You know, they thought you know there's no way he's gonna he's going to make it back to the hospital. So Steve,
0: sorry to interrupt. What yeah. were the total injuries that you had? Like what all happened to you before you get into the other right, part?
1: Right, sure. Uh, major brain damage. As you can see, my. As you, my eye is still is still off to the side and looks kind of strange, and that's because of the brains moving around in the head and and my I like to just put it easily easy form. My brain went one way with my eye and my head, and then my brain came back, but my eye stayed where it was. There, there's all the nerve damage in the back and in the brain. And, which, which resulted in my, my pupil staying where it is. Uh, a lot of internal organs were all smooshed together. I had to have a lot of surgeries. Thoracotomy, sliced open, do uh, did all the all the operation inside. But I got back to uh, broken hips.
0: What's a thoracotomy? Thoracotomy.
1: That's where they where they they slice you open from the side. They pull your pull your ribs up. And they, they work on the inside. Um, so, you know, it, I had to have a, a tracheotomy, like with the tube going in your throat to help you breathe, keep you alive. You know, uh, I still have that scar uh, because apparently they didn't think I was going to live. So why bother someone to back up? You know, uh, we'll just keep it the way it is. So I was rushed to Chatham, but Chatham wasn't equipped for the, for the operations that I needed to survive. So they rushed me to London Hospital, but then because of the strike, it was the OPSU at the time, all the, work, the workers in the hospital were on strike too. So they are blockading the hospital. So it was hard enough for the ambulance to get in. Uh, and apparently they had, the hospital in Chatham had called London before, and they wanted to rush me there. Uh, they couldn't take the helicopter because of the snowstorm. But London Victoria Hospital said, we have no room, but you know, they're gonna take, they took me anyway, because if I show up at the front door, they have to let me in. So they kind of just, you know, they didn't think I was gonna survive anyway. So they just wanted a, a place for me to go. So they put me in like a room, a small room area where on the floor where everyone's going to die anyway. So it really didn't mean much, but for some reason, there's a purpose for me. I, I kept surviving, I just kept surviving. And they couldn't understand why or how I kept surviving. So they thought, you know, my parents came down, my fiance came down because they were expecting me not to be there the following day. So they were gonna be there just to see me one last time. But, you know, that knock on the door never came. And they thought, well, he keeps surviving for some reason. Let's get him to a rehab hospital. So they took me to Parkwood Rehab Hospital and they they just did amazing things for me. And you know, I, I had a room up on one of the third or fifth floor, and the rehab rooms were downstairs in the basement. So that ride in the wheelchair from my fifth floor down to the basement was so much stimulation on my brain, I would just fall asleep. You know, they they couldn't do anything with me because I was just falling asleep, and they thought this is ridiculous. He's not going to survive. You know, he's just falling asleep. There's no way he's going to to rehab after
0: this. You told me something once about before all this rehab started. You were you were there in a coma, and they were talking about you. Can you share yes. that story? Yes,
1: thank you. Uh, yes, uh, you know, doctor. You know, it's funny because when you're one in your coma, you can still hear things happening and going on around you. Um, you know, and docs, docs would say, well, he'll never be 100%. He'll never be 100%. You know, one in a million make it back to being normal again. And, you know, for some reason, I heard all this. And my brain just registered all this. It kicked in for some reason. And now for some reason, I don't know why, but well, I heard this, and my brain fired up It said, and it's—I had this this motivation, this drive came from somewhere.
0: You had said that you heard them when you were in a coma. You heard them talking about donating your organs.
1: Yes, exactly. My the the doctors had asked my parents, "Would you like to donate his
0: organs?" Because that's how far gone I was. Okay, this is a dumb question, but I'm just kind of putting myself here in that. Like, what do you do or say when you hear that? Because that sounds like. They're going to hack you up and donate. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to say it like that, yeah, but no, I'm just exactly. thinking, like, exactly. is that not freaking you out? Or what are you doing? Like, that, what is it like? That,
1: it's hard to explain. There's, there's nothing, you can't explain something like that. It's, it's just freaked out. I guess you just freak out and you're, for some reason, my brain was registering. My brain was still, still going and, you know, he'll never be the same. So you might, as well, you know, you might as well give somebody else the, the chance right. at a great life, you know and you know and for some it never happened it never it never materialized to that um and
0: sorry i interrupted you were going down to physio
1: yeah going down to physio you know um and you know i i kept surviving and kept getting a little better and you know fortunately you know i there's muscle memory i guess muscle memory kind of kicked in and people they, they would move your limbs, and my dad would move my limbs, and just to keep the muscles moving, keep the muscles doing what they're supposed to do, instead of, st- instead of being all stagnant and rigid, you keep, he they would keep the, the, the joints moving just so that your muscles would remember, and some, for some reason this worked. And now, I, I did really well at physio, and you know, um, I, I wanted to, to do better than anyone had ever seen someone do at, at physiotherapy. Uh, now I just wanted, like I couldn't talk, I couldn't walk, I couldn't see, I couldn't do anything at the time and I kept saying home, home and and they would, people would say you can't go home yet, you can't go home yet and one person, that was my dad, said something different and he doesn't know why he said this or you know why why you know he didn't just say you can't go home yet he said you know when you get stronger and to me at the time getting stronger meant doing better physically because i couldn't walk I couldn't talk i couldn't do anything so so i i then dedicated myself to physiotherapy and that's where my love again of exercise and i see the healing the healing powers of physiotherapy and physio and exercise um, by doing the exercise i i not only healed myself you know physically but mentally as well all that oxygen from doing the exercises and pushing myself to do things with exercise
0: so did you know that at the time or like did you say to yourself hey i did some research and i'm supposed to exercise my brain or were you, like where no. did this like where no. did it come from
1: no no, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that, and I only learned recently that that's why I healed so quick, is I didn't know that if I uh, did think like through physio and through exercise that I would heal myself mentally. And, but it just, that just kind of was a reciprocal effect of doing exercise
0: so let's press pause for a second can you tell us briefly about your exercise athletic life before the accident
1: yeah before before the for the accident i was athletic i played a lot of sports um a lot of soccer i played i tried to always stay in shape i always tried to run and keep myself physically active as it was so uh then that probably contributed to my my healing as well by staying physically active when, when you when I came down with a sickness or an illness like this, I was able to recover quicker.
0: were you uh, did you play college uh, or university soccer? Yeah
1: yeah, that's right. at one time I did play uh, I did play university soccer. I played soccer all over different places uh, okay so in uh, Ottawa I was on the Ottawa teams uh, collegeson University I was played in different cities Windsor, Ottawa
0: okay. So when you, uh, I'm sort of going all over the place. I yeah. hope that's okay. So when you go back to being at Parkwood and being in rehab. Yeah. When do you remember how long after the accident was it that you started to see the progress that you're talking about? Like how long did that take?
1: That the, I started to realize, uh, it was almost, almost immediate. Like almost immediately you could see improvements every day. Every day I would see little improvements. You know, and I'm going to better myself each time. So today, yesterday I, I was able to run this far. Then today, let's do it a little bit further. Let's go.
0: How did you deal with all the negative stuff around you? Like yeah, people telling exactly. you you're not going to yeah. do it, you're not going to make yeah. it. Yeah. Like from the very beginning when they were exactly. going to donate your organs yeah. all the way up yeah. until.
1: Exactly. Uh, because I did hear that every day. Steve, from the nurses, don't worry if you don't get to be back to 100%. That, that was kind of drilled into me every day but every day I would get mad at the, the nurses and the therapists and point at them and say you know what you're right I'm not going to be 100 percent I'm gonna be better than 100 percent and you know then you know and I don't know why they would kept saying that maybe just so I would internally motivate myself or on the other hand they might be saying that so that if I don't get back to be 100 percent, I don't go into a depression.
0: Before the accident, were you a bit of a scrapper, oppositional guy, or did you get along with everybody? Like, what was your person? Because, because, what was it like before this?
1: Yeah, before the before this, before the accident, I was. I was I was really shy and quiet, and always kind of followed the rules. But, I always felt I need to push myself physically, and mentally. Uh, I did. I was an opposition type of guy. I was more push myself to.
0: Did you get a lot of yellow cards in soccer?
1: <laughs> I didn't. I, I never did. I, I was I was a nice I was a nice guy.
0: Okay, so here's a question because you know I'm I, I kind of a shrink on the other side, right? Yeah. So how does a person who's shy and get along with people and? Get to this situation and fight like crazy, and and tell people they're wrong. And they're it's kind of like what right. a business has to do, right? Exactly. A startup business—you yeah. got to say, I don't care what ninety people say, I'm right. still going to make it. Right. So, how did you make? What do you think happened to make that transition?
1: That is a great question. Uh, that is a great question. Um, something, something came over me, and I, I can't explain it. I just don't know how to explain that. How my life has suddenly changed from being a shy, quiet guy to now being more of a motivating—you know—I want to get things done and do it type of guy. I don't know how to explain so, that. Okay, so
0: okay. So thanks for answering those because I know I kind of stopped the story. But if you could take us from Parkwood to when you're almost going home to going home and right. the, the next step in your life.
1: Right. Right. So so. I was at Parkwood, and they, they, you know, again, they would always say, you know, one in a million, Steve, one in a million, and make it. Well, you know, well, I'm the one. I kept saying, I'm the one. You know, it, there's no question, I'm the one. I'm the one that's gonna do it. I'm that one in a million. And then, on the way out of the hospital, they said, so you're the one. I said, yep, I'm the one. Huh? Yeah. Uh, so, I ended up going back home, you know, not, not like, fully healed, but, you know, I, I can still, uh, you know, operate a society. Uh, but then I still, I still wanted to get back into playing soccer, into doing things with exercise. Uh, and I would go watch my old soccer team play. And for, like, about 10 years, I would just go to the games and I would cry. Because I, I wanted to be out there so bad, but I can't be out there. So it, it was really tough on me. So I had, to, I, had to, I had to pull away from soccer for about 10 years.
0: So the question that when we work in rehab, everybody tells us, and, yeah. and in, in a lot of parts and times in life, they say, you know, why me? It, it, it's not fair. Yeah. I was, you know, you're going to see your fiance. Yeah. You're just sitting in My a car, just just snoozing. Yeah. Why did you, th- when you're doing all this hard work, mm-hmm. how often and how did you fight the thought of why me?
1: You know what? That's one thing I never thought. I never thought, "Why me?" It was like this happened, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat this. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove to I'm gonna prove everybody wrong. I, I was never, because again, you said about the negative. How do you fight the negative? I didn't allow negative to come into my brain, and that's maybe why I never said, "Why me."
0: we so we so okay were you fighting you think the negative that you were thinking as opposed now you're saying it's other people but I get the mm-hmm. feeling just now talking to you that mm-hmm. it's the negative thoughts that kept coming into your mind you kept fighting you kept saying no that's not true I am gonna make this Is that's that, right
1: that's right that's right uh, because you know you hear it from so many people you know they they're trying to tell you you can't do it you can't do it but I had this drive this internal drive
0: yeah but you see like okay I've got a fat head right so when I was going to school, yeah. in public school, I'd have to get a brush cut because it was cheaper. Yeah. And when kids would bug me about my brush cut, I'd get furious, yeah. right? Because I didn't like my brush cut. Right. Could it be that when people said things, it just triggered thoughts you had that you just couldn't accept?
1: Yeah, you know, that's right. I, I just, did, that's exactly right. I didn't accept the fact that I wasn't going to make it. You're telling me all this negative. There's negative on the TV, or on the radio. And if I would hear anything, I would just
0: turn it off
1: or I would not listen. I would not let it register in
0: my brain. I just wonder when you're watching the soccer what the tears were about.
1: Yes, the tears the tears were about I should be out there and that should be me out there getting hurt in those tackles and that should be me scoring the goals. Uh, and something, something that has happened to me that I can't control, is preventing me from being out there but I I'm gonna fight tooth and nail and to get back out there. So just give me a little bit of time because I was so angry like I was so motivated to get back out there that that's what I did I trained on a trained
0: you said this lasted 10 years?
1: Yeah, like I I waited about 10 years before I wanted to play soccer again.
0: So for 10 years, you kept grinding. Grinding. And you said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to... For 10 years.
1: For about 10 years.
0: Okay, a lot of people, they get upset if things don't happen in like a week or two. Oh, exactly, yeah. So how did you get the the perseverance and the patience to do the 10-year thing without giving up?
1: It's that, it's that that internal drive, saying you know, proving people wrong. I, I wanted to prove people wrong. I wanted to prove that I was the one in the, in the million that would make it. And that I could get back to being normal. And, you know, I'll tell you a story. When I did go back to playing soccer, uh, I, I, first of all, I had a hard time kicking the soccer ball and, you know, learning the, the game, how the game operated again. And I used to score a lot of goals when I was younger. And so then I just wanted to score a goal again. So then I I ended up scoring a goal and no, thought this isn't good enough. I want to score more. So then like every game, almost every game I would start scoring I thought And then one time I scored three goals in the game, got the hat trick. I thought, Wow, this is it. It has been so long and I I've done it, you know, I'm back.
0: So so what I find so incredible that most people who play a sport at a high level Yeah. Then have a hard time going back and doing it recreationally. Yeah. You, yeah. Went, you went back, not recreationally, but you went back where playing, what was it, House League Soccer? Well, it was just House League Soccer. Right. Became like playing at a CIS yeah. championship or playing. Well, you know.
1: I, I didn't go back to, to the CIS, but uh, I, did, I did go back to playing rec soccer. And then I heard about uh, you could go on the, the national, on the national Paralympic national teams. Thought, well, we're gonna give that a shot you know i can't see properly i can't move my eyeballs downward so but i kind of had to adjust my game and that that was really difficult first of all learning how to play the game again without seeing properly you know moving your head in certain directions and it just thought the timing was different um but then i, I managed to i managed to figure that out and,
0: so take us from the time when you're home and things are kicking along. Ten yeah. years later, how yeah. did you get into exercise, personal training, and what do you do yeah. today? What happened to your life?
1: Okay, after afterwards, I, I had planned on being a teacher. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you some of this, and uh, then, but funny thing it was that now that I, I read a page or two from a book and I fall asleep. So again, I have to retrain my brain, but. So it was almost impossible to be a teacher again. So, but I thought, well, I want to go back to the school system, but I want to help out kids who have been through what I've been through. You know, maybe they have a brain injury, maybe they have a disability. You know, so then I became an EA because I was helping kids with some kind of disability learn again. Because my I could still I could still teach and and do it, but you know, it wasn't I couldn't necessarily be a full time teacher. Um, so that's what I did and then after that I went on to being getting into exercise Um, they were offering a personal trainers certification at the YMCA because I had done some volunteer work there so then I learned how to be a personal trainer through the YMCA and then then I heard about working with seniors the senior population so then I started doing that through the VON and I so then I was doing exercise for seniors, and then for people with disabilities, we kind of branched out, worked with people with Parkinson's and people with MS, seniors, uh, people with stroke, injury any acute injuries. So that's how I got really uh, into exercise therapy again, uh, is by helping out others. And I have been through it, so I know exactly what they're going through, because I've done it, and let me teach you what I what I know.
0: So the two major reasons people tell us they don't exercise is time and yeah. motivation. Yeah. So how do you motivate someone who says, you know, I really need to exercise. I want to exercise, but yeah. they, which is about eighty five percent of Canadians. Right, right. So how do you think you can motivate people to exercise?
1: Well, one one way would be, you know, a lot of people are are in the same same scenario that. You know, if they don't exercise, well, their sicknesses or illnesses are going to get worse. Um, or, you know, people with MS or Parkinson's, if you don't exercise, again, your, your sicknesses and your illnesses will get worse. So, do some exercise. Like, you don't really have to exercise that long. You, there's there's ways to, to exercise that you don't have to exercise for a long period of time. It's not, it's not like the old-fashioned exercise push-ups jumping jacks. You know, you what you need to do is get your heart rate up. And there there's certain techniques that through exercise MD that have been that have been formulated, developed, where you don't necessarily have to exercise in a long period of time uh, to get the benefit from exercise.
0: Just my final question would be you had an incredible sort of life altering challenge ahead of you, right? Mm-hmm. To stay alive. Yeah, yeah. People today, most people today, have something that they're dealing with, and they feel it's either overwhelming or it's a huge barrier. Right. Um, Very different than yours, but for them, it's still, you know, a serious issue. Mm -hmm. What advice could you give them based on your experience to help them overcome that barrier that they're experiencing today?
1: What each day, each day. Is a stepping stone. All you have to do is take one little step. Just take one step. Just start out. With just starting out with the small, and then you'll see. You'll see the benefits. You know, and then maybe the day after that, you do a little bit more, and then pretty soon, it's just a baby steps. Start with baby steps. You know, just something small. You can even just sit in your chair. You know, if you're that type of person, you start with a walk. You know, a five minute walk, or you can do the exercise in your chair.
0: So you're you're talking about focusing on today, not thinking about long-term goals, exactly. not thinking about all that crazy that's stuff, weight loss, or right. maybe it's another family issue, whatever. Right. Just focus on today, being today. the best person today what, that you can be. Yeah. What
1: can you do today? Something small.
0: Any final thoughts before we go? Uh,
1: yes, my my final thoughts would be that you know, exercise does heal, and through exercise you can you can transform your brain into. To have more clarity and to, to think better, better memory, um, you you will be surprised at the, the benefits that you will receive.
0: Well, thanks, Steve. I just want to say hearing the story a couple of times times, it never gets old. And it really makes me, you know, some days you get up and you think, okay, this is a challenge. This is nothing compared to your stuff, right? right. And and I, I say that because you're such an inspiration and uh, I'm excited to work with you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.
1: How was that? Good. What did you think?
0: I thought it was r- really good. Yeah, was that was pretty good? Yeah. Okay. I gotta stop this thing, how do I stop?